Welcome back to another episode of the 49er Way podcast. Don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Week 1 is finally in the books and there's a lot to get to. On today's episode, we will recap the 49ers loss to Arizona and look ahead to their matchup versus the Jets this Sunday. We will also go over some 49er injury statuses for this weekend's game and also look at the 49ers newest member at wide receiver. We will also recap other storylines around the league from week one and crown week one's winners and losers from this week. So let's get right to it. The 49ers lost to the Arizona Cardinals this past Sunday, 24-20 in a tough divisional battle as we all thought it would be. Typical kind of pace of a game. I expected that kind of a game. I didn't expect the Niners to struggle as much as they did, but we'll get into that just now. Some notes and some takeaways that that I took away from this game. I thought the 49ers looked really good early. I thought they got off to a really nice drive. Obviously, I personally thought maybe they should have even gone for it on that very first drive on fourth down. They elected for a Robbie Gold field goal instead. I thought that was okay. I thought it was a good first drive. And then they come back the next drive and Mostert went for a 76-yard touchdown. That was huge. Early on, it looked really good, including Fox announcers we're also saying the same thing. There's like the 49ers don't look like they have much of a hangover early and often. And it wasn't like that. They got out quick to a 10-0 lead and things looked pretty good. Then the block punt happened. And I think once that happened, that really changed the momentum in favor of the Cardinals. The 49ers continued to struggle against mobile quarterbacks. I don't know what it is considering John Lynch has put so much emphasis on speed and speed on the defensive line. I thought our linebackers played great, but our defensive line just couldn't get to Kyler Murray and it was frustrating and it was annoying, but Kyler Murray is something else. And it's bad enough that we've had to deal with Russell Wilson twice a year. And now we have to deal with Kyler Murray twice a year. That's brutal. And the 49ers defense has got to find a way. Luckily, the next time we play Arizona won't be until week 16 if we get to that point. Having said that, the Niners got to get better. They just struggle against mobile quarterbacks point blank. As for the offense, this was a real thorn in our side all afternoon. Two for 11 on third downs. Third downs were for some reason a really big issue for the 49ers offense. And they really just could not get in any consistent rhythm throughout the day. Except for maybe the first drive or two. Other than that, I would say... They were able to get a few other drives. They had the drive down to the one where Mostert got stopped at the one-yard line. They had another one, obviously, late in the game that ended in the Jarek McKinnon touchdown. But other than that, they just really couldn't convert. They went down after the Joukowsky tart interception. They were down in the red zone, settled for a Robbie Gold field goal. And then, of course, they went down again late in the game to try and win. And they couldn't finish there either. And, of course, I think it was very evident no Debo Samuel, no Brandon Ayuk, and a banged up George Kittle definitely showed in that near the end of that game, but really throughout the game in general as well. The Niners were also 0 for 2 on fourth downs. Not great, but the Niners need to get better in that area, especially third downs, bottom line. But another thing for the 49ers offense, only 123 rushing yards on the day in total. Raheem Mostert led the day with 15 touches for 56 yards. The Niners running game can be better. And I know it's 
you know, it's not going to be great every week and we're not going to get over 200 rushing yards every single week. But I think last year we struggled against the Cardinals as well in the run game. I think it was only like 34 yards in total in that second meeting. So we haven't been able to rush the ball very well against Arizona anyways. But either way, the 49ers are a run first team. You got to be able to run run the football well and when we do run the football well we get more consistent drives going and Shanahan's offense is really clicking but it just didn't seem like they could get that having said that I do want to shout out Raheem Mostert for one big thing not only was he obviously our most consistent runner at running back but this guy got really good in the past game too and I honestly really appreciate that because the one thing that people talked about last year about our running backs and obviously of how explosive they are coming out of the backfield, but a lot of people were saying they don't really have a running back that they could utilize in the passing game. No one's really that good in the passing game. And Raheem Mostert comes out and was great in the passing game. And in fact, that 76-yard touchdown was off of a pass play. I really thought that was huge for this team. And of course, getting Jarek McKinnon back helps that too. But when you now have two running backs that you could use in the past game, that certainly helped a lot. So I thought Raheem Mostert was fantastic. And I thought he was the only 49er on offense that I really sat there and said, this guy got better in a really weird offseason that it was. But Raheem Mostert, he earned that pay raise on Sunday. And it was evident about that. And 49ers, obviously, I mentioned this already, they gave up 180 rushing yards and 404 total yards to Kyler Murray. And obviously, DeAndre Hopkins owned the 49ers secondary in this game. And it reminded me a lot of last year's Atlanta game when Julio Jones had a very similar day that DeAndre Hopkins did on Sunday and just owned Emmanuel Mosley all afternoon. And the funniest part is Emmanuel Mosley led our team in tackles, but yet he just got bodied by DeAndre Hopkins all afternoon. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best receivers in football. If not, I think he may have cemented his name as the best receiver in football right now. Michael Thomas got hurt, so that just makes it even even more of a chance that Hopkins is even better as the best receiver in football. But it just seemed as if... Kyler Murray could put this ball in anywhere in his vicinity and he catches it. I think he had, what, 16 targets and he caught 14 of them? It was it was unbelievable. It just, our secondary had no answer for DeAndre Hopkins and that was a problem. I was scared that this would have happened, but at the same time, I thought this, this was going to be a really good challenge for this secondary and see, well, whoever gets that shot opposed to Sherman... This is going to be a great test. You're either going to get Larry Fitzgerald or you're going to get DeAndre Hopkins. And they did not step up to the plate. They got owned. Am I going to put a lot of blame on our secondary? Yes and no, because he is DeAndre Hopkins. The guy is just a cheat code at wide receiver. But our secondary has got to get better. You can't allow 14 catches for 151 yards. That's unacceptable. So the Niners got to get a lot better in that regard. But obviously, giving up 180 rushing yards, this is not typical 49ers defense smash mouth football. We don't give up 180 rushing yards. Having said that, 90 of those 180 come, came from Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray is just such a sneaky, sneaky player because when he comes out of the pocket, 
and you don't really know whether he's going to pass or run. All of a sudden, you just see this huge open gap and the linebackers are kind of sidetracked by whoever's playing slot receiver or whatever. And you just see this huge open lane for Kyler Murray to run and he took advantage of it. The Niners got owned by Kyler Murray in the run game. Absolutely owned. Not only did they get owned by DeAndre Hopkins in the pass game, but they got smoked by Kyler Murray in the run game. It was a problem. And I'm sure Robert Sala is going to make that an evident thing to look for. And obviously we don't play another mobile quarterback until week seven against New England. Thank God. But the Niners have to get better on that. You can't allow big chunk plays like that. And Kyler Murray kicked our ass in that regard. The other interesting thing about this, the 49ers didn't turn the ball over. They didn't turn the ball over once. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw a pick. But yet the offense still didn't look in sync. It still looked rusty, shaky, and very inconsistent at times. But we'll get a little more to that in a little bit. And the last takeaway here is obviously time of possession. The Cardinals... It was close. They had 31 minutes. 49ers had the time possession for 28 minutes. So it was close. Obviously, when you're a run first team, you want to run the football. You want to gain a lot of time. The Niners weren't able to do that. And obviously, they didn't have majority of time of possession. And they struggled on that. And I think the Niners defense were on the field for a little bit more than they needed to. The Cardinals had some really nice drives, you know got to get off the field they looked really good early the 49ers defense was very good early but they struggled a little bit later and Kyler Murray just wore them out by the end of that but looking into individual performances let's start at the quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo 19 for 33 259 yards two touchdowns no interceptions when you look at that stat line it's it's not terrible it's it it's a very it's it's a decent stat line. You know, it's it's not an amazing stat line. It's not something that, you know, makes your eyes pop out. But it's not terrible. You say, hey, he threw over 200 yards, threw two touchdowns, and and no interpick, and no interceptions. That's, that's pretty good. But when you actually watch the game, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't look... Oh, it's almost as if he just... I wouldn't say comfortable because our offensive line did fairly well considering we were down to our third string center. But Jimmy Garoppolo just couldn't get the ball off in time. It was weird. And I look at all the games that Jimmy Garoppolo has started for the 49ers. I can only look at one other game that he started that I look at and I said, mm, just this just wasn't good. And that was week one in 2018 against Minnesota on the road. And he turned the ball over, I think it was three or four times. To this Sunday, he didn't even throw, he didn't throw a single interception. And it still looked like he struggled. I don't know if this is just a week one thing with Jimmy Garoppolo because he didn't exactly look all pretty and stuff in last year's week one game against the Bucs. Our defense had to bail us out in that game. So I don't know if this is just a week one thing. I hope so because we look back to last year in week two and 2018 week two. Jimmy Garoppolo looked a lot better. Next week, we play the Jets, a defense that is not very good. I would expect Jimmy Garoppolo to look a lot better, but he just looked a little hesitant and shaky and he needs to get the ball out a lot quicker. The other thing Garoppolo needs to do is he can't take sacks. You got to throw the ball away. There was one play, I can't remember which quarter it was. I think it was about first and 10 or so of the first play. Garoppolo drops back 
He could have thrown it away, and it could have been second and 10. Instead, he keeps the ball, takes the sack, loses seven yards, and now we're at a second and 17 when when we could have been looking at a second and 10. It's things like that that Garoppolo needs to be more aware of because he's putting us in bad positions. I think he was okay at times, but later in the game, he could have hit Kendrick Bourne quicker, he could have hit Trent Taylor quicker, and he didn't. They just weren't out quick enough. It's week one, there's no preseason, I get it. But I expect more from Jimmy Garoppolo, especially if this team wants to get back to a Super Bowl. Having said that, it's week one. I'm not going to overreact too much. But what I will say is, no, I do expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be better. He is our quarterback. He went to a Super Bowl last year. I expect him to be better. The Cardinals are an exceptional team. They play hard every week. I totally expected a game like that. So... You know, it, it, it's not so I know so many people are overreacting by a million. And I, it's obvious because for some reason, when Jimmy Garoppolo has a bad game, everyone has to react like the sky is falling. We lost by four and we had a chance to win the game multiple times. Not, I'm not even talking about that last possession we were, we were, where we were inside the 20 and had a chance to win the game with, what, 30 seconds left? No, there were multiple other possessions and drives throughout the game where we could have had a chance to win, and we just couldn't finish. So it's not all on Garoppolo, but this this offense needs to get better. Jarek McKinnon looked okay. And you know what? This is his first game in two seasons. He did very well. For his first game after missing two straight seasons due to an ACL, he looked very good. He had a touchdown. He showed his versatility in the passing and run game. I thought Jerick McKinnon looked great, and it's only one game. He's only going to get better from there, but Jerick McKinnon got off to a really good start. Tevin Coleman only rushed for 18 yards, but that was kind of expected because he wasn't really expected to be involved as much due to the air quality and his health condition, so that was expected. And here's the biggest stat line of the day and the biggest takeaway. And I thought this would have been a lot better. I expected some of the guys to step up a lot bigger without Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. The 49ers receivers combined for four catches on the day. Four. Two from Kendrick Bourne, two from Trent Taylor. I'm not going to blame Kendrick Bourne because there were a lot of times where he was open and when Garoppolo did target him, he stepped up and made big catches. Target Kendrick Bourne more. I don't understand why they didn't. I don't understand why they didn't try to hit Trent Taylor more. And here's the biggest disappointment of the afternoon. Dante Pettis has a chance to make an impact without Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle was banged up in the second half. Dante Pettis had no catches. No catches. I, I, I don't understand. Was he not getting open? Was he not, I wasn't exactly watching when Dante Pettis was on the field. I wasn't watching him closely. I don't really know what that was about. But Debo Samuel is supposed to miss the next two games. I would hope Dante Pettis can make an impact. Having said that, it's looking a lot more unlikely that that's going to happen. And we'll get to that in a little bit. George Kittle had four catches for 44 yards. Obviously, we know the story there. He injured his knee right before half. He went into the locker room. I think we all had to hold our breath for a good 15, 20 minutes. He came back. He played through the whole second half. But he didn't do anything. They didn't target him. They didn't use him in the past game. I don't know if Shanahan is downplaying the severity of the injury. I don't know whether maybe there is nothing to worry about at all. 
All I know is George Kittle is a beast and the guy gets banged up all the time and he just plays through it. The guy is immortal. So I'm not too worried there. Jordan Reed had two catches for 12 yards. When we got him involved, I was quite pleased. And I think we need to use him a little bit more often there. And the 49ers on defense, Emmanuel Mosley, as I already mentioned, led the team with 11 tackles. Dre Greenlaw had a great tip pass that led to a Jaquaski Tart turnover. Should have scored on that drive. I thought the linebackers were very good. And the secondary in the D-line struggled, bottom line. We had only two sacks and one interception. The defense has got to get a little bit better. I thought the first half, they looked really good. They looked, uh, there were certain glimpses where they looked like their defense of last year. But they struggled and they looked rusty. We play Sam Darnold next week or this week. We play Daniel Jones the week after, Carson Wentz, and Ryan Fitzpatrick our next four weeks. I would expect our 49ers defense to step up against those guys. Kyler Murray is a different animal. This guy is so quick. He's a great thrower. Kyler Murray is a stud. We don't play another quarterback like that until week seven when we play the Patriots and Cam Newton. I would expect our D-line to get after the quarterback in these next few games. So there you have that. Here's the recap from that game. A lot to take in there, but I do expect the Niners to bounce back. This is where the defending NFC champions, we have way too much talent to let a game like that go by. Again, the Cardinals always play us tough. I expected a game like that. And if you can't finish, you can't finish. You're going to lose. This is the best the NFC West has looked in years. So every game is going to be like that, but it is what it is. To the injury report for this week, More good news than bad news, I would say. Debo Samuel obviously suffered a minor setback. He was supposed to actually be ready for week one's game last Sunday. Unfortunately, was really sore after doing some sprints. They put him on IR. Shanahan said he expects him to be back week four against Philly, first weekend of October. Brandon Ayuk missed this past Sunday's game. Shanahan said he was close to coming back. He is expected to to be back this weekend against the Jets. Shanahan said he would be shocked if Ayuk is not ready. George Kittle, we just talked about him, obviously injured a knee sprain in Sunday's game. Buda Baker, head to the knee. Kittle seemed like he's fine. He was sore on Monday. Apparently, he's supposed to be evaluated today, so we will get more of a good idea whether George Kittle will go on Sunday or not. Here's my thing. If George Kittle isn't ready, sit him out this week. We don't need him against the Jets. The Jets and the Giants next two weekends, we can live without him in those two games. I would rather have him sit out a game or two and have him back for the stretch when we play, you know, the Patriots and the Seahawks and the Packers and the Saints. We're going to need him for those games. So if, if he's not ready, if George Kittle's ready and it's not that bad, sure, put him out there. But, you know, if, if they're a little worried and they want to be cautious, sit him out this week. Give Jordan Reed and, and uh, Ross Dwelly some more playing time. Ben Garland, not 100% sure. Haven't really heard anything. Could be back this weekend. If not, it'll probably be another start from Ronis Grasu, who started at center this past Sunday. Also, the 49ers made a move yesterday at wide receiver. I was quite pleased with this move. Mohamed Sanu, veteran wide receiver, signed to a one-year deal. I was hoping the Niners would do this. Shanahan talked about it a little bit. John Lynch talked about it a little bit, but I'm like, okay, are you guys actually going to do something or are you just going to keep them on the list? They finally went out and did it. I think this is a great move, good veteran depth, just another weapon. And it just seems like Dante Pettis, I don't know when this guy's going to involve, but 
time is of the essence. Like we we need these guys to step up. It looks like we're gonna get Brandon Ayuk back this Sunday. That'd be great. And then you add Sanu to the mix. And then KB, I feel a little bit better about our receiving corps now that we have a guy like Sanu who thrived under Shanahan in Atlanta in 2016. Heading to the Jets game, looking ahead there, some of the keys to the game, we got to get to Sam Darnold. If we pressure Sam Darnold, they don't stand a chance. Brandon Ayuk's coming back, and of course, Mohamed Sanu, we just talked about, that could help the passing game. Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be better. More consistent drives, convert on third downs. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. The 49ers are a good football team. This is a team that won 13 games last year. You got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And we are most definitely supposed to beat the New York Jets. And great teams find a way to respond. Bottom line. And I know the Niners will respond. I know they will. I believe they will. And they should get the job done there. The Niners will play the Jets this Sunday, September 20th. 1 o'clock Eastern Time. 10 Pacific on Fox. Can't wait. Looking for that one. And one other thing to look forward to in that game. Frank Gore. The ageless wonder. My favorite 49er of all time. Gets the start for the Jets. Le'Veon Bell won't play. He's hurt. That will be very interesting. To see Frank Gore against the Niners defense for like the gazillionth time. That guy is just never stopping. And I love it. I, I love Frank Gore. I it's gonna be it's always weird to see him I know we played when he was with the Colts we played him a few years ago and it was it was just super weird but we'll see what happens there but Niners Jets on Sunday I expect a nice bounce back game from the boys in that game other storylines around the league the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Houston Texans in the opening game no surprise really there I expected a lot what happened in that game to have happened the one takeaway from that game was how good Clyde Edwards-Hilaire really is. He rushed for 138 yards and a touchdown. He was really impressive. And if you add that running game to that offense, oh boy, good, good luck to the AFC. Because that's he, look, he looked really good. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks steamrolled the Falcons. Russell Wilson was sensational. And I hate talking good things about Russell Wilson, but the guy is just so great. 31 for 35, 322 and four touchdowns. Those are MVP type numbers. And it amazes me how Russell Wilson has not won MVP yet. It's amazing. Maybe this is the year. I have no idea. I hope not. But Russell Wilson looked really good. And the Falcons, they had 500 total yards and they still got smoked. That should say something. Jamal Adams looked good in his Seahawks debut, unfortunately, but... Seattle looked good. They looked good. And they're going to be a pain in the butt for the Niners this year. And, and I think we all know that. The Ravens steamrolled Cleveland. Lamar Jackson was typical Lamar Jackson, passing for 275 yards and rushing for 45. He threw three touchdowns. Ravens looked fantastic. They looked very similar to how they did last year. Not much of a shock. How bad the Cleveland Browns were is another thing. And I'll get to that in a little bit. Mitchell Trubisky leading the Bears to a fourth quarter comeback, scoring three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to beat the Detroit Lions. It was impressive. I think we were all ready to jump on Mitchell Trubisky after that game. But the Bears made a comeback. Impressive. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Washington football team shocked the world this Sunday by winning their games and are 1-0. I don't think any of us would have predicted that to happen, and we'll also get to that in a little bit. Cam Newton looked very good in his Patriots debut. Didn't wow anybody, and I don't think, I don't think that you know, I I I don't think anybody really expected that to happen. But 
We'll see what happens there. But Cam Newton looked really good. 155 passing yards, 75 rushing, and two rushing touchdowns. That could be a problem for a lot of teams that play the Patriots. Aaron Rodgers looked really good. Really good. And that is scary for a lot of teams and a lot of people. If Aaron Rodgers looking that good is impressive. Green Bay was fantastic against Minnesota. And we'll also get to that in a little bit. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Golden State Warriors of the NFL. Yeah, they didn't, they, they didn't look very good. They looked all right in the first half. They struggled. Brady threw two picks. They lost 34-23 to the Saints. You know, I, I do think it will take time for the Bucs to get it going. And they're not going to be, you know, as amazing as a lot of other people thought, thought he would. But... You know, the Bucks will eventually get. They play Carolina on Sunday. I think they'll bounce back fine in that one. The Rams beat the Cowboys on Sunday night. The Steelers beat the Giants on Monday night. And then the Titans barely got past the Denver Broncos on Monday night as well. Having said that, we do have some breaking news at the moment that just came up. And it's not very good news for the San Francisco 49ers. Richard Sherman has been put on IR and will miss the next three games with an apparent leg injury. I am a little concerned about that. And it's funny because I kind of thought something was up with Richard Sherman. He didn't look, he didn't look great. The good news is we play the Jets, the Giants, and the Eagles our next three games. But... I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a little concerned with the, with the injuries for the 49ers right now. Debo's out. Kittle's banged up. Now Sherman's banged up. These are some of our best players on our team. These are big parts of our, of our team. But this is just more of a thing for the rest of our team to step up. And Richard Sherman missed the game against the Falcons last year. And look how that turned out for us. I will say one thing. Just thank God that wasn't last week. Although it didn't really matter. But Richard Sherman will miss the next three games. I guess Akella Witherspoon or Jason Verrett will have to step up in that Jameson Crowder went off for the Jets. That will be something to look at on Sunday. But yeah, Richard Sherman will miss the next three games with an injury to his leg. All right, back on to week one. This is a new segment I will be doing on every episode called the 49er Way Weekly Awards. Each week, I will give four awards. They will be named... The Jerry Rice MVP of the week. I have named every award after a 49er because this is the 49er Way podcast. So the MVP of the week, the MVP of the week will be named after Jerry Rice. There will be the Bill Walsh best team of the week, the Cody Pickett most valuable L of the week, and the Raheem Mostert surprise of the week. So four four awards, I'll give candidates. And starting next week, I will post a poll on on my Instagram story so y'all can vote who you guys think wins every award each week. Having said that, this week I decided to do it. I decided to look at who I thought were and won these awards after week one. Starting with the Jerry Rice MVP of the week. The candidates for this week were Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Aaron Rodgers, and DeAndre Hopkins. This was a tough one because each of these guys balled out this Sunday. They were on fire. Cam Newton was fantastic. He didn't light up the scoreboard. Therefore, he did not win MVP this week. Lamar Jackson was fantastic. Having said that, I'm not going to give it to him either because 
I we expect those kind of performance from Lamar Jackson. Russell Wilson was sensational, and it was very tough to pick him. And I'll get to that in a little bit. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was awesome. 25 touches for 138 yards and a touchdown. He was great. Aaron Rodgers was disgusting. 32 for 44, 364 yards and four touchdowns. And dropped 43 against the Vikings defense. It was incredible. I did not name Aaron Rodgers the MVP of the week. And I will get to that in a little bit why I did that. So it was between Russell Wilson and DeAndre Hopkins for me. And unfortunately, that just pains me to say that one of those guys was the MVP of the week because they play for the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I gave this week's MVP of the week to, I am going to have to give credit where it's due, DeAndre Hopkins. 14 catches for 151 yards. And I know Devontae Adams had better stats, but don't worry, I'll credit him later. DeAndre Hopkins was amazing. And I and I talked about him a little bit earlier in this episode of how sensational he was. But why I say he was the MVP of the week over the rest of those candidates is this was his first game with no preseason on a new team with a new quarterback. I don't quite think a lot of people understand how tough that actually is to do when you've had the off season that these players have had to a really weird off, it's not like they've been together since like april or may and they've had otas and they've had mini camp and then they get the training camp and then you got preseason they've had none of that none of that and deandre hopkins came out and said hey kyler you just tossed me the ball and i'm gonna do my thing and that's exactly what he did i i thought it was sensational i hated it because it was against the 49ers but the guy balled out. He is my Jerry Rice MVP of the week. And I guess it's only fair. If Jerry Rice is named after this award, why not give it to the best receiver in football? To the Bill Walsh best team of the week. If you're wondering why I didn't name Aaron Rodgers the MVP, and if you're wondering why I didn't say Devontae Adams was the MVP week, MVP of the week, that is because the Green Bay Packers are my Bill Walsh best team of the week. The other candidates were the Seattle Seahawks, who looked great, the Baltimore Ravens, who looked great, and the Kansas City Chiefs, who looked great. But the Green Bay Packers are my Bill Walsh best team of the week because this is the team who got tons of criticism throughout this offseason, including myself. I think a lot of people said Green Bay is not going to be that great this year because of what they did in the offseason and drafting Jordan Love in the first round. They didn't do anything to help Aaron Rodgers in the pass game. Huh, that's funny. Aaron Rodgers didn't look like he had much of a problem in the pass game. Not at all. This guy was on fire. He threw a little bit to Adams. He threw a little bit to Lazard. He threw a little bit to Valdez Scanlon. Aaron Rodgers didn't give a damn. And guess what? That is what Aaron Rodgers is best at doing. Not giving a damn of what other people think about him. That is the scariest part. This is his second year in Matt LaFleur's system. And he did that against a... I know Minnesota has lost some guys on defense. That was a very, very nice statement by the Green Bay Packers. A team that I had no faith in after that NFC Championship game against the Niners. I was like, Green Bay looks awful. Like, they got to do something to step up. Now, their defense did allow 34 points. And a lot of those came in the second half. I don't know if they kind of just gave up or whatever the problem was. I didn't watch much of that game. But... Their defense did allow 34 points, but their offense lit up the Vikings defense. And that is something that the Packers didn't do very often last year. Aaron Jones had 16 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. Pretty, pretty good. That's the big three for Green Bay. Rodgers, Adams, and Aaron Jones. Those three are better than people think. 
Green Bay Packers, best team of the week. Best team of the week. They play the Lions at home at Lambeau next week. Should be a very interesting game there. I, th- I think the Lions are a decent team. And we'll see what happens there. But the Green Bay Packers, let's see. Let, let's see if they can keep that up as the season goes on. To the Cody Pickett Most Valuable L of the Week Award. My candidates for the week were the Cleveland Browns losing 38-6 to the Baltimore Ravens, the Philadelphia Eagles who had a 17-0 lead on the road at Washington and blew it to lose 27-17, Steven Guskowski made his Tennessee debut on Monday night, missed three field goals, but made the chip shot at the end of the game to get Tennessee the W. And lastly, DeAndre Swift, rookie running back for the Lions, had three carries for eight yards, but that's not why he's on this list, because he dropped the game-winning touchdown in the end zone for the win and dropped it. Matthew Stafford could have not placed that ball in a better position. It was right in the hands, and it literally just went right through his hands and dropped it. So DeAndre Swift is on that list. Having said that, I'm going to let him off the hook. He's a rookie things happen it's week one you've had no preseason and you know limited training camp and all that get him off the hook Steven Guskowski I'll, I'll tell you this if he missed the game winning field goal too oh he is definitely the MVL of the week but he made it even though he missed three field goals he won his team the game so they're not on here the Philadelphia Eagles honestly I would like to give them a co-MVL of the week but I think you got to give at least a little bit credit to Washington because this is this is a decent team. They're not supposed to be a great team at all, but they're but they're not bad. You know, McLaurin and Chase Young and and listen, I love Ron Rivera and I'm very proud of the way that he was able to go through that game, especially when that guy was he was diagnosed with cancer a few weeks ago. I mean, I hated to see that because Ron Rivera is just the he's one of my favorite coaches in the in the league. And I think if Washington needed anything to try and change around that organization and boy, it is under such a bad light right now. Ron Rivera is one of the best people you could have in that building. And that is why I think Washington deserves a little more credit. So the Eagles, boy, that was an awful, awful second half performance, but it's not the Eagles this week. That would mean the MVL winner of this week, the Cleveland Browns. You would think in 2020, hmm, maybe the Browns might be good this year. No, not at all. Three for 12 on third downs. They they only turned the ball over one time. You would have thought it it may have been worse. And here's the craziest part. They only allowed 107 yards rushing to the Ravens. One of the best rushing teams in the NFL. They only allowed 107 when you look at the scoreline, you're probably like, oh, they probably got blasted. No, they only allowed 107 rushing yards. And here's the, the rid- most ridiculous stat of this game. They had more time of possession than the Ravens. It was only by a minute, but you had more time of possession than the Baltimore Ravens. This is a team. The Baltimore Ravens run, they run, they run, they run. They chew clock all day. And you had more time of possession than they did. And you scored six points. Congratulations, Cleveland Browns. You are the most valuable. You got the most valuable L of the week. 
I'm sorry. I don't know how the heck you have more time of possession than a team that runs the football as better as anyone does in the NFL, like the Baltimore Ravens. They rush the ball as good as anybody, and you score six points. Kevin Stefanski in his coaching debut, this guy's bringing a nice run-heavy offense with Chubb and Hunt and, and OBJ and Landry and Baker and a new O-line and, and six points. Oh, boy. We'll see what happens. Cleveland plays tomorrow night on Thursday night against the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe things look a little different. Who knows? And the last award of the week, the Raheem Mostert surprise of the week. Mitchell Trubisky's fourth quarter comeback was definitely surprising because the Bears looked awful in that first half. Washington coming back from a 17-point deficit was very surprising. The Jaguars beating Indy, very surprising considering no one expected Jacksonville to do anything this year. And Tom Brady throwing two interceptions in his Buck debut and struggling. I'm going to give Tom Brady the benefit of the doubt because it's th- he, he's Tom Brady. And he's not amazing on week ones when this happens. And he's in a new team and a new offense. He was on the road. Obviously, there was no crowd. But still, I'm, gonna, yeah, I'm not going to say Tom Brady throwing two picks was much of a surprise to me. I think it was bound to happen. So I'm going to let him off the hook. Mitchell Trubisky's fourth quarter comeback... That was very surprising. I thought they were dead in a ditch. But it, it was pretty impressive. But I think Mitchell Trubisky, this stuff is needs to be more expected of him. Because this is a guy who had a great season two years ago. Struggled a lot last year. And the fact that he was even in a competition with Nick Foles this offseason is kind of pathetic. But Mitchell Trubisky earned a lot for making that comeback. He's going to have to pick it up. They played the Giants on Sunday. But it's not him. I'm going to give a co-award for the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week award to the Washington football team and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I decided to give them both the award because these guys are supposed to be picks one and two hand in hand in the NFL draft, and they are both one and oh after one week. Washington is in first place and the only team with a one and oh record in the NFC East. Now that is one of the most 2020 things you will see after week one. But you know what? Like I said, you got to give credit where it's due. Hell of a job by Washington. They played hard for Ron Rivera. You, you got to give him credit. Jacksonville, I, I have no words for that, but it's I, that's impressive. It really is impressive. Looking ahead to week two, some games to watch and in, in going ahead in week two. I wouldn't say this is the the greatest slate of games. There's not a lot of eye-openers. I'd say the game of the week is definitely the Sunday Nighter. The New England Patriots and Cam Newton will go to CenturyLink Field to take on Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. The one thing I'm really interested in that game is there's there's no 12th man. There's no 12th man. So will going into Seattle be the same thing as going to Seattle? That's going to be something that's going to be really interesting. And we'll see if it's easier or not, or it's still the same for Cam Newton and the Patriots. That is, I think, is the best game of the week. That should be a good one on Sunday Night Football. The Baltimore Ravens go to Houston. I don't think that's a great game, but it's Lamar and Deshaun Watson. Expect some kind of fireworks there. Detroit at Green Bay, I think, could be more interesting than people think. Matt Stafford and the Lions, they had a chance to beat Chicago when they didn't. I think they got a shot against Green Bay, but it's at Lambeau. Obviously, there's no crowd, but after the way the Packers played on Sunday... I don't know, but I expect that one to also be a shootout with Rodgers and Stafford. The Atlanta Falcons go to Dallas. 
That would be an interesting game too. I expect a very similar thing like the Lions-Packers. Just a shootout. Should be a lot of fun to watch. Falcons love to throw the football. Dallas loves to throw the football. I expect that both teams want to bounce back. Kind of crazy. One of those teams is going to be 0-2 after this week. That's kind of wild. My survival pick of the week to finish off this episode. Last week, I had the Colts over the Jaguars. I apologize to all those who actually listened to me because I listened to myself and picked the Colts and I am out week one. So to anyone else who is still in a survival pick or in a survival pool, I have two picks for this week. I think the Niners over the Jets is a very good one. I think the Niners have a very hard schedule coming up. And I think if there's any week that you want to say, okay, this is a this, this this has to be a win. It's this week. And then the Steelers host Denver. Maybe no Cortland Sutton, no Von Miller. Pittsburgh looked very good. That defense looked really good. I like Pittsburgh over Denver. So either the Niners over the Jets or the Steelers over the Broncos. Week two this Sunday. Hope everyone has a great week. Looks forward to tomorrow. Bengals of the Browns on Thursday night. I can't imagine a lot of people are going to tune in anyways. But hope everyone has a great week. And we will talk next week for next week when we recap week two and look ahead to week three of the NFL. Thanks for listening. And once again, don't forget to give the 49 away a follow on Instagram.